time of psalm singing, uh, as we sing the word, we are beginning with Psalm 62, stanzas 1 to 5. And the theme of um, our time of psalm singing this evening is waiting upon the Lord. Waiting upon the Lord. And here in Psalm 62, uh, the psalmist uh, speaks of uh, waiting for God. My soul in silence waits for God. My Savior he has proved. He only is my rock and tower. He saves, I'll not be moved. The context of this psalm is one of stress. We might think that stress is a 21st century phenomenon. Well, when we look in the scriptures, we see situations where people were under extreme pressure and stress. And this word wait, it's one of four different words that are used in the Old Testament and that we find in the Psalms. Uh, and um, they're a bit like colors. You say something is blue. Well, you go into the paint shop and you ask for some a color blue and you will be faced with um, a color chart with an endless choice, especially if they bring out the painter's um, little blocks. It's, the, it's a thick strip, uh, a bit like bookmarks, a series of bookmarks, uh, and every one is a go of different shades. And if you want blue, they'll ask you which shade. Well, there are shades of waiting on the Lord in the Psalms. And it is part of our richness of our faith and the richness of grace from our Lord Jesus Christ that waiting is not just a drab blue, one shade, but there's different shades. And here the idea is of waiting for God when he doesn't answer. And there are times we pray about situations, we pray for family, we pray for some difficult relationship at work maybe, we pray for a child, a parent that's not converted, and it seems that God does not answer. And um, what do we need to do then in these situations, especially uh, in times as well when we're under stress and pressure. Well, uh, the idea here is to wait in confidence. It's the idea of resting in the Lord that the Paul, the, sorry, the Apostle Paul talks about in uh, the New Testament. Um, rest in the Lord. In the context of this psalm um, and in the singing of the psalms, we need to be alert to our surroundings. 
when your children are going somewhere that they haven't been before, you'll say to them, pay attention, be alert to your surroundings. Who's next to you? What's happening around you? And that's really good advice, parents, to children. And it's equally good advice when we come into the Psalms. We are in company. We are in an era. We are in an age and a context that we're not familiar with. It's Eastern uh, poetry. Uh, It's in Hebrew. And it's 3,000 years ago. So we need to be alert to our surroundings. What goes before? What comes after? And Psalm 62 is one of eight psalms where there's a dialogue going on. And 1 to 4, sorry, 61 to 64 are the cry of the king to his God. And then um, 65 to 68 uh, is um, the goodness uh, of God and God answering um, the king. And so that gives us a context here for this psalm. A man who's under stress, um, a man who is a king, has responsibility for others, and his responsibility before God for others. And um, the enemies uh, are not far off, uh, and he's conscious of his weakness, and he's praying, and he's saying, Lord, help me to rest in you. And perhaps that's the thing that you need to do as you go into work tomorrow, young people, as you go back to school, whatever the situation, that God seems not to answer at this moment in time, let's wait for him in confidence. Let's rest in him. So we're singing uh, 62, uh, and we're singing uh, 1, 62a, we're singing 1, to five, the tune is martyrdom one hundred and ten. Sorry, one hundred and fourteen. My soul is
we are uh, going to turn next to Psalm 106. Psalm 106, and we're singing from stanza 10 uh, through to stanza uh, 13. Psalm 106. This is an historical psalm. It is a psalm um, which uh, records God's dealings with his people, with the church in the Old Testament. And the purpose is, as one writer has put it, is that we would learn from Israel's failure. That we would learn from Israel's failure. And that also is what the Apostle Paul says in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians, these things have been written for our learning. And so, um, as we come to this section, singing uh, from 10 through uh, to 13, uh, we want uh, to note um, the verse that numbered 13, which is the big 12. His works they soon forgot, and for his counsel did not wait. Here the people of God have been saved out of Egypt by a mighty act of God, just as you and I have been saved out of our slavery to sin, to the devil, to the world, as we're thinking about this morning, by an equally mighty act of God. And it says in verse 11 at the end of it, the people believed his words and we know of the song that they sang in praise to God for his deliverance. And yet they forgot his works. And they didn't wait on the Lord to see how the Lord would supply them with food and drink in the desert. They ran ahead of God. And they saw trouble before trouble had come to them. And so seeing it afar off, they brought it into the here and now. And then they acted in their own strength. Is that not you? Is that not me? We see trouble afar off. God doesn't promise us grace for the trouble that's going to come in a week's time, a year's time, or ten years' time. We bring it into the here and now, and it's not the right time. And so, in the absence of God providing an answer, we fail to wait. And we try to do it ourselves. Was not what Abraham did? God had promised him a son, Isaac. And God had said he'll be there. And Abraham and Sarah, they were now what 75 plus years of age. God's not doing anything. We've got to do something about it ourselves. They did not wait 
upon the Lord. They're an example of that, a very practical example. And so the word here for wait means uh, it's waiting in terms of time. Uh, Reading um, until the morning, for example, or waiting for an appointment. It's something that's ahead. And to do that requires patience. Again, we probably remember when our children were small. We talked about going on holidays. And how long's that? Is that today, Daddy? Are we going today? And then we ended up discovering you've got to say there's so many more sleeps before it happens. Well, God doesn't tell us how many more sleeps there will be until he um, um, supplies a need. But we can be sure uh, that he will supply uh, the need. And uh, this psalm actually, it's a very interesting psalm because while it's lamenting the failures of Israel, notice how the psalm begins. Go back to verse 1. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, thank the Lord. Would you think about uh, reflecting on the failures of someone's life and say, well, let's praise the Lord. Well, he's not praising the Lord for the failures, but he's praising the Lord that he is good despite the failures of his people. And his loving kindness lasts even despite our failures. But let's learn from this section to wait with patience. Not to bring tomorrow's trouble into today. And also let's wait upon his time to bring blessing into our lives and not to grab now something that's not for us now. And there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. The Lord knows what we need today. And we should wait with patience for him uh, for today and for the tomorrows and the next weeks and whatever those needs will be. So let's sing then from 10 through to 13 the tune of St. Leonard 149. I have changed the tune, sorry. Um, I don't know why I used that tune. Uh, we're going to sing it to 138. <laughs>
come now to 61b that we were learning before uh, we began our time of worship. So we're going to sing all of this. Remember, it's one of these eight psalms that have to do with the king. There's not any word waiting in this, but let's remember that it is in the context of the cry of the king, Psalm 61. Uh, and um, look at what he says. He's desiring that in the midst of this situation that he's in, that the Lord would bring him and establish him on a rock. His heart is faint, and he desires to dwell with the Lord to all eternity. And then uh, he speaks in stanza five, extend the king's life. It's a psalm of a king. He says, like many generations be the years you will him give. And then ends with, I will forever sing. Remember, this is a psalm of David. And it was to the line of David that God said you will not fail to have a king forever on the throne. And so these words extend the king's life. Multiply the days that he will live. Like many generations be the years you will him give. It's ultimately only fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Because apart from him, there's no one else from the family of David that reigns as God's king today. So the prayer of the king, and as we are united to Christ our king, as we come into difficult situations, we pray to God through him, and we ask him to establish us and to be a tower and a strength to us in the face of the enemy. We sing 61b then, How Deep the Father's Love. Love. Oh Oh, 
back to waiting for the Lord. We come now to Psalm 130. And the A version of this psalm, uh, we um, come now to another word uh, for wait. Uh, and another way to translate this word is to hope. And this word is tied in usually with God's word. And it's the idea of waiting for his word to be fulfilled in our lives. Waiting in hope. Waiting over a, for, over a period of time. Uh, it is the most frequent of the words wait in the Psalms. And um, we um, find it, for example, outside of the Psalms in 1 Samuel 10 verse 18, where Saul was told to go down to Gilgal by Samuel and to wait seven days until Samuel arrived and then there would be an act of worship. Uh, and that was God's message to Saul at that time. And the challenge to Saul was to wait, to just plant his two feet firmly on the word and to say, uh, hour by hour, day after day, minute after minute, I cannot go ahead. Samuel is not here. Of course, we know what Saul did. He took it upon himself uh, to engage in that act of worship and he lost the throne it was a sign of his unbelieving heart ultimately and so as we come to this psalm psalm 130 remember this to be aware of your surroundings we're now in the psalms of going up to jerusalem the Psalms that were used by the pilgrims, and this is number 11 of 15. Started 120, they ended number 134. Uh, and um, here's the psalmist now in the place of worship, and uh, he's waiting, confident, and hoping. In the word, and you'll see that in verse 3 I wait, I for the Lord wait. It's not an empty waiting, it's not an idle waiting. My hope is in His word. It's not like waiting for the bus, that you can't do anything else until the bus comes. No, this is a waiting that gets on with life but doesn't uh, precipitate. The word of God coming to pass in our lives outside of his time and purpose. And of course the watchmen can't hasten the dawn. They can but wait confidently knowing that it will come. Um, so it's another very important aspect of waiting. And hoping in his word and not 
hastening events by taking them into our own hands. So let's sing uh, these words, 130A, the tune is Lucas, number 229. 229, so psalm for this evening where we find our fourth word our fourth shade of waiting psalm 37 and we are singing from uh, stanza 6 uh, through to stanza 10 uh, psalm 37 Rest in the Lord and patiently wait for him. Uh, it's the idea uh, of waiting in terms of time, uh, waiting with eager expectation. Uh, and that's the note, it's the eagerness, it's the expectation Sometimes, um, as we wait, we give up and we lose sight of what it is that we're waiting for. Um, and we do that at times in life. Uh, we're waiting for someone uh, and they're late uh, and they don't turn up. 
the time that we had arranged and we go on. And they turn up a few minutes later. Well, uh, this is uh, a wedding uh, which waits with eager expectation. It's the kind of wedding that a child has to do when they're going on holiday. Uh, or uh, maybe you um, have planted bulbs. Uh, it's the time of the year to plant the autumn bulbs. And you're going to have to wait for them to grow. For them to bring forth beautiful flowers. The farmer has to wait when he's put the seed into the ground until the harvest time has come. Um, but it's a confident waiting uh, because of who God is, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, it's the kind of waiting uh, that um, uh, Job speaks of in Job 7 verse 2. Let me just turn that up. Uh, the word is used there again. Um, so, uh, Job 7 verse 2. Like a slave longing for the evening shadows. You know why he's longing for the evening shadows? Because work is hard. Or a hard man waiting eagerly for his wages. Okay, um, and here the context is that um, the psalmist is surrounded by evil, and he's surrounded by evil doers. Remember, and this not all of you will um, be familiar with this individual, but Robert Buchanan was an inspector with the old RUC. He and another, I think it was a sergeant, Breen, had gone down to Dublin to engage in discussions with the Garda, Chiacana. And on the way up, both men were ambushed and killed. And it's a subject of still ongoing controversy because um, there is a very strong line to suggest that there was a tip-off from within the Garda uh, regarding the movements of these two policemen. And they wouldn't have... Robert Buchanan was a godly man. He was an elder in Lisbon Reformed Presbyterian Church. And out of consideration for others, they would not have a guard. They wouldn't have an escort that would take them to the border and meet them at the border. But here's the point of this psalm. Um, um, I was in Shaftesbury Square preaching as a student the day after, the Sabbath after he was killed. And um, then in terms, I can't remember what I was preaching on, but I remember uh, we were singing this psalm. And what a psalm to sing in that kind of context where evildoers have risen up and... They've destroyed a godly man. Uh, and what are we to do in the midst of that? The psalmist says, O oh, set your trust upon the Lord. Verse 3. And then he says in verse 6, 
rest in the Lord and patiently wait for him. Why can we wait for God? And what are we to wait for him with eager expectation regarding justice and judgment? That the wicked and the ungodly, unless they repent, they will not escape their unrighteous deeds. They will come into judgment. And we don't need to become angry. Um, We don't need to um, take the law into our own hands. Evildoers, verse 8, will be cut off and fall. Those who wait upon the Lord, the land inherit will. And we see this illustrated in the earthly life of our Saviour. Uh, as he waited patiently and with an eager expectation that yes, the cross was going to be a horrible experience, but what was the eager expectation? It was heaven, the return to his Father, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. And that's the challenge for us. We live in a world where we will experience injustice as Christians. And often the law of the land will endorse that or turn a blind eye to that. And that is uh, increasingly the case in terms of our faith. And what are we to do? We're to wait with an eager expectation, uh, knowing that as sure as the laborer gets paid at the end of the day by a good master, a good and righteous God, a just God, like a just master, will deal with the ungodly. And Christ himself spoke of that with regard to his enemies. And he told them that unless they repented, they too would perish. So let's close our time of psalm singing with these words. We're singing uh, from verse 6 to verse 10, tune Farningham, number 86, and then we remain standing for prayer.
Lord God, we do worship you. 